0: You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church.
1: I think we're good. Everyone's good and on. Mics are on. All right, here we go. Everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason
2: and chris and jason
1: i like it i like that we don't do jason jason chris it doesn't flow well Um, oh by the way so i sent this podcast uh episode or last week's episode to someone uh in the church that had never listened to it before And basically they were like, that's great, but I don't know who these people are. (laughs) So people know who I am because I have to be up front. And I say that because I don't like being up front, but it's a necessity. It'd be weird if I just sat in the back, like the back seat of the sanctuary and taught. Um, But anyways, Chris, what's your last name? Fortner. Chris Fortner. He's been an elder for a few years now. As long as you've been here, I guess. I'm yeah, you were. A, how long were you a deacon before you were an elder? <sighs> I don't
0: know, three, three, four years, two. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Was it's there a right deacon together. like ordination or something, or they're just? Me and TJ were
0: ordained. Oh, okay. And, uh, so there was like, something
1: whatever. formal they did. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. I thought they were just like. I'd never Just seen start. it before till me and TJ went through it. Okay. All right. And I haven't seen it since. <laughs> well, when we brought on the new Deacons, did we do anything?
0: Not that I recall. I don't believe you brought them up front and had them.
1: We showed their picture on the screen. That's an ordination, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Those are mug shots. A mug <laughs> shot. <laughs> Anyways, this is Chris Fortner.
1: He's okay. uh, uh, one of the elders, and Jason. Baker Baker um, who is I guess it's not a secret we didn't like we don't put it online or anything but uh, is candidating to be an elder and the brand new process we've not done before, so any new deacon or elder candidate um, basically just has to shadow for at least six months before they're presented to the church for final. I guess the church is not the church is not gonna vote but final input um on that. So um how long has that been? We're more than a month in, for sure. May
2: I think December will be six months, somewhere
1: right, around. There. December will be six months, so it'll be a wonderful Christmas present. Um or it's gonna be real <laughs> awkward and he didn't make the cut. <laughs> um <laughs> I did think too the other day. I I was thinking about you. I thought maybe he, I was like, maybe he just is like, you look, guys, I love serving the church, but I don't want to be a part of this at all, (laughs) which is fine too. But, um, yep. So he is currently candidating to be an elder and has done a a great job and a great job just serving the church. So that's who we are. And people know me. I'll be five, I'm going on my fifth year here, Chris. that crazy it is yeah yeah y'all owe me a sabbatical next year i know what do you roll your eyes for yeah come on man oh yeah yeah. you don't owe me it but it's in the contract somewhere so um all right well this last weekend was a labor day weekend i don't have much to To start this podcast off with, other than what y'all do, any highlights, anything amazing, fun, Baker? Did you do anything crazy?
2: No, I worked on work for (laughs) work. Worked on a Bible study and did these questions. So very exciting.
1: Well, you had Monday off. Did you do anything on Monday? That's what I did on Monday. You all (laughs) All day Monday. All day Monday was the I worked paperwork for work. High bar. Yeah.
2: Fun stuff.
1: I thought teachers got a lot of time off, you know. Not they don't, they don't have to do anything. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Not any teachers. All these teachers
1: are going to kill me. Yeah. Um,
2: that was Jason Payne. His address yeah. is... No. No, I've got an immense
1: to amount of respect for these these public school teachers. Um, the things they have to deal with are just insane. So, um, Well, good. Did you watch any TV and read a book?
2: Commentary on a, um, Second Corinthians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you guys some hobbies. All right, Chris, did you do anything? No, I figured you didn't do anything. cleaned
0: up around the house. So. Mm-hmm. Golly I probably did watch some tennis.
1: Oh yeah, that's a that's yeah. something we need to bring up in the I, podcast. I'm not Chris of is a turned into a big tennis fan. Mm-hmm. When um, this hasn't been that long. The past couple of years. Why? What? What happened? What? I don't know. I just saw it on television one day, and I was like, oh. "You and Justin are into it, right?"
0: No, Justin's into the track and field stuff. <laughs> How do you even? <laughs> what channel is that on? <laughs> I don't know where he's watching it, but every time he talks to about talks to me about it, yeah, like I'll go home and like I'll have like fifty YouTube recommendations of track and field events to watch. Yeah, every time, without
1: doubt. Man, you know what I want to go do um, I keep seeing it advertised online but they have this like midget wrestling in Bristol or something it's around here and I thought that would be so fun to take the kids to and then I thought isn't that a little disrespectful but I mean they I guess they signed up for it it's not like mm-hmm. they were captured and made to <laughs> wrestle so <laughs> um, you know <laughs> But I thought that'd be fun. That to me seems more fun than tennis. At least is what I'm saying. So. No. Okay. <laughs> um, Why well, I didn't I mean we didn't do much other than, Monday? We was our big day. We took the kids to to Dollywood, and it was a thousand degrees. And it was it
0: slam packed?
1: Thankfully, I wanted to go on Monday, hoping this would be the case. So like as we're driving in. I've never seen so many people leaving Pigeon Forge. <laughs> I mean, it—they were just pouring out of that place, and they were all going to that new Bucky's there, um, right before you get on the interstate. Yeah. I mean, there was a line down the block just to get up to the new Bucky's. Wow. Um, so Dollywood wasn't that bad, honestly. I mean, it was <laughs> full like it normally is, but. We didn't have to wait super long for rides and we stopped at the Bucky's on the way out and it was it was busy but it wasn't like it was earlier so but Yep, that was our Labor Day, super exciting and fun, but All right, let's get started. This is week 2 of I Need Thee Every Hour. Uh we did a round two in Matthew's Gospel, so uh I guess two Sundays ago, we did Matthew 6. This past Sunday, we did Matthew 11, um, 25 through 30. Um, but I had some context to go through before we, we did that.
0: And speaking of which, first question is to you.
1: <laughs> what is the context of Matthew 11, 20 through 24? Well, let me, I guess let me preface that by saying, anytime that you're reading the Bible, you need to be looking at, some especially if you're teaching um, if you're you should be looking at some of the internal evidence of of what is happening in that passage so for instance I'm gonna teach in Matthew 11 25 through 30 but to properly understand that you should at least look at what's going on before this these verses what's going on after these verses they don't always connect. Like this Sunday I'll be in um, the Gospel of Luke and it doesn't seem like there's a clear connection. But in this case, I think there's at least some connection we can make uh, with, with the passage. Um, so, long story short, um, Jesus is going throughout the cities and rebuking them for not repenting and telling them that their future will be Worse than it was for Sodom, uh, as we see in Genesis 19. It's a pretty heavy rebuke that you often don't see uh, from Jesus. Uh, So I thought it was worth mentioning as a time to stop and repent. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I I just wanted to read this for some context here. So this is, um, this is from the New American Commentary. It says, Matthew has said nothing about Jesus ministering in Chorazin or Bethsaida, but uh, verses 23 through 25 of chapter 4 and verse 1 of chapter 11 leave plenty of room for such ministry. These two cities were nearby to the north and east of Capernaum, so he mentioned that in those verses. Tyre and Sidon were paradigms of Israel's enemies of old, and there's several references for that. Um, Sodom typified the wickedness of Canaan before Israel settled in it, and Jesus claims that many and both pairs of towns would have repented had he had worked his miracles there. Um, and then sackcloth and ashes were common public tokens of repentance in antiquity. So... It, I'm saying all of that to say there's a reason why these cities were mentioned, but to bring it home, it's a matter of if you have unrepented sin in your heart, the point from Sunday is you should be anxious. You're, you're, you're not right before a holy God. And if, if things feel out of whack and chaotic in your heart, um, I would say that's, that's God's just good grace on your life to say, Hey, Let's repent of this and get right with the Lord. So we stopped. Um, I've thought about doing that a lot in the past. And just this one seemed like it was the time to do it. So we stopped in the middle of the service and just had a time of repentance. I don't know how that felt to you all out there. But anytime I turn off my mic and I'm silent up front, it makes me uncomfortable just because I feel like everyone's looking at me. <laughs> and, but I was hoping people were praying and repenting. So, I don't know. Did you see anyone? I was praying and repenting. Good. Yeah. How about you? All right, good. I only got one feedback on that. Someone said, I liked when you did that prayer thing um, because it. they said it was good to... Uh, Honestly, I do. I think it it, 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 people probably felt good to do that, Mm -hmm. and then they can move on with the message. So Um, that's something like, hey, just as an extra side note here, you don't have to wait till the next time I do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like we can, in my like that's that's a huge component of why we do communion. Like you can Mm -hmm. do that during communion every week. That's I do a lot of repenting every week at that communion time. And then I partake in the bread and the cup and then I can go teach with a more clean heart and clean hands. So, all right. Uh, Jason Baker. Yes. Why should we be anxious in our unrepentant sin?
2: Um, kind of like what you were talking about, the context of that passage, you know, there, even as believers, there are consequences for our sin. Um, <clears throat> think As believers, when we do have unrepentance in our lives, like you were saying, the natural thing should be we should be anxious about it and repent. Um unrepentant sin causes separation in our relationship with God. And you know, I think if we're not anxious about unrepentant sin and continue in that, I think we would need to be anxious about our salvation to start with. Mm-hmm. You know that would be something that we would need to go back and check and say, "Have I truly repented? You know, am I truly a Christian?"
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Which leads to this question. I think it's an important one for for Chris. Yeah. How do we know if we are forgiven? I think I deal with a lot of people that don't feel forgiven. Um. So what do you? What's your advice? You ready? That? Oh, I'm ready. Absolutely.
0: By repenting of our sins.
1: Yep. uh, By forgiving
0: others that have done us wrong. And most importantly, by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, uh, who is the only one that can save us from sin. He's the one who took our sin and paid the price for that sin. Uh, I would say that's how we know that we're forgiven. And I do have a few scriptures uh, to back this up
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Ephesians 4. 32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, Matthew six fourteen or sorry, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Uh, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you forgive your trespasses. Uh, Acts 2.30, uh, 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Proverbs 20.13, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Uh, two more. Acts uh, 3.19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and
1: heal their land. Could I... I would say there's a lot of people that don't feel that. Um, it's hard to feel... And maybe you can forgive other people or you can think... Like, there's a new... I don't listen to a lot of contemporary Christian music, um, but uh, there's a new Corey Asbury song, and he mentions about thinking that amazing grace is for everyone else. Um, And I think that reality is there's going to be seasons or times where you don't feel forgiven. And... You just have to know if you've gone through that process. Then, when you don't feel forgiven, you just have to go look at Scripture and say, "Well, do you believe that to be true?" And that's a yes or no. Yep. And if it's a yes, then it doesn't matter how you feel. Right. Like feeling doesn't change what's true. So, if you if Scripture says you're forgiven, you're forgiven, yep. and you just have to keep reading that keep reminding yourself of that and then move on so yeah that all those scripture references were good to have um so all right the question of the hour why shouldn't we be so anxious the question we've done every week i've given points one two three this uh past sunday we did four and five point four was because god has been Revealed to us.
0: All right. Jason Payne, how does it encourage you to know that the Father is Lord of heaven and
1: earth? All right. Scripture. First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. You passed First Chronicles, Chris, in your Bible reading? Where are you in? I'm in Ezekiel. Oh, yeah. That was it. Yeah. You're eleven. See, somebody didn't pay attention You're last 11th. night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost done with Ezra. I got one more chapter And Ezra. I don't like the Bible reading thing I'm doing. It overlaps it. So I'm like, I just want, get me to the end of that book, and then we'll start over Um. a new one the next day. But this one, it wants you to read Ezra 10 and then Nehemiah 1 and 2. And I'm like, just, that doesn't, I don't like, that's like having (laughs) volume at level 13. (laughs) I don't like it. So, all right. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the wisdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. So God is over all things. He's in control of all things because he owns all things. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm like I'm losing control of my life um, and in reality that's probably I would say where the fault lies just in that mentality because the, the more I try to control my life the more I feel like I can't um, and I'm not downplaying self-discipline uh, I think we obviously need more of that not less of it but the path to self-discipline is not a tighter grip on self, but a more humble submission to God. Um, so I'm encouraged in the same way that, like, I want my kids to feel encouraged by my presence. Uh, when Dad's home, there's peace and order that will rule the day. When Dad's home, like, they should feel safe. Um, like, Dad's got this. He's in control. So. I was gonna end this answer with um, a prayer. This is from Scotty Smith. This is a prayer about um, God being in control. It says, Dear Heavenly Father, though there are days when I, the clay, presume to tell you, the potter, what to do, and stories that um, I, as a small bit character, want to dictate to you, the perfect author, how the plot should change, the circumstances about I, your subject, want to order you, my King, into action. You remain so kind and patient with me. I'm so thankful that you're God and I'm not. I'm so thankful that you're the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. And I'm so thankful you know the beginning and the end and everything, every other moment as well. I'm so thankful that you don't answer all of my prayers with a resounding yes. I'm so thankful that you don't cater to my fancies, given to my whining, or share your throne with me, even for a nanosecond. I'm so thankful that you do as you please, even when your pleasures requires my displeasure. I'm so thankful that you're not codependent on me in any way, shape, or form, that I'm absolutely dependent on you, even when I kick against the goads. Get frustrated with your sense of timing, or in moments of temporary madness, question your goodness. Father, I'm so thankful you are God, and the gospel is true, period. So every Amen, I pray in Jesus' triumph and tender name. So, there it is. There's my answer for that question. <laughs> Baker, you're up. Okay. Why do we need
2: God to
1: reveal God to us?
2: So, from the text on Sunday, it said that God has hidden these things from the wise and revealed them to little children. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father the father, except the son, is through who the son chooses to reveal this to. You know, talking about the little children, which would be us, you know, Romans 3, 9 through 11 alludes to that we don't actively seek God. We don't really even know that what we need to be looking for to start with. And so we need the son and the Father to, to reveal God to us um, actively uh, so that we can be aware of Him. And, and being aware of Him, we're aware of our condition. Right. So
1: That's really good. And we're going to keep talking about that. Uh, Chris, yep. how is Christ our mediator in that process? All
0: right. Let me start off first by giving you the definition of mediator. Um, it's a person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement, um, a go between. So, uh, since the fall of man, when Adam first sinned in the garden, uh, that sin has continued to be an issue. Uh, God hates sin. It's a, it's a barrier that keeps us from him. Um, and, uh, if you look in Romans six twenty-three, it says the penalty of for sin is death. Um, and not just I'm no longer alive, death, but like an eternal death separated from God. Death. Um and there's nothing uh, that we as humans on our own can do to pay this debt. Uh there's nothing we can do to, to mediate on our own behalf, uh no good works, no no following the law. We have no good enough defense on our on our own um own merit. So, but good news all is not lost. <laughs> we do have hope, and that's where Christ is steps in. He's our mediator he he took our sin, he paid our debt and he gave us his righteousness. He bridged the gap and made it possible to have access to the Father, to even know the Father, to be able to speak to the Father came through that. Uh, I have, of course uh, some scripture to back all this up. Uh, you have first Timothy two five. Uh, for there is one god and there is one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus uh john 14:6 says jesus said to him i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and i'm sure you probably shared most of these on sunday no these are good uh, john 1:14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth uh, John one one in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. And then the last one I've got here is Hebrews nine fifteen. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions transgressions committed under the first covenant.
1: That's good. I think that was very thorough because growing up in church I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist. We heard a lot about Jesus and a lot about the gospel. Yeah. But it was more like that Christ was more our negotiator than our mediator. You know, that he would go before the God for us through the cross and just have this conversation so we can make sure that we're forgiven. Um, and there's so much more to yeah. that. You know, if he's just a negotiator, you don't need the cross. You don't need someone to die um the mediator is the he's the final sacrifice yeah. um, like if we don't understand that none of the Old Testament makes sense none of this is leading towards anything yeah. um, you have all these <laughs> these poor animals dying and then Jesus is like no you can just be forgiven it's yeah. fine I mean I talked with God I talked with my dad yeah. and you know we're kind of the same anyways no we are the same, I'm sorry. <laughs> so no he's 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 the great mediator um, so that was super helpful chris
0: um next one's up for you, Jason Payne. Um, if someone asked you why they should let you into heaven, what would
1: you say I mean, I've been in full time ministry for over a decade so that's got to count for something I would imagine you know <laughs> no I share I shared this question um, because it's it's an age-old question and the an elder in our last church would I, I probably brought this up in the podcast or maybe on Sunday before an elder in our last church would ask uh, new church members this question every time uh, so he would sit down we'd sit down with new members kind of like we do here um, and Mark Franzine would ask them, why should they let you into heaven? And it was always fascinating and sad yeah. to hear everyone's answer to that question. Um, I I honestly can only think of one time where someone answered that question correctly. Well, uh, either they would say nothing about Jesus, or they would talk about Jesus, and they would talk about um, all the good things that they try to do. Yeah. Um, as a Christian. And both are false, because it's only by the work of Christ Jesus that you're made right before a holy God. That's it. That doesn't mean that what comes after that in your life is of no significance, um, or even maybe proof that what you, whether you have faith or not, but it's only through uh, the work of Christ alone. You don't have to add anything else to that. Uh, Acts uh, 4.12 there's no, there's salvation in no one else, yeah. that includes yourself, for there is no other name under heaven yep. given among men by which we must be saved. So, um, it's a good question to keep in your back pocket, even in evangelism. Uh, yeah. If you're like, well, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say talking, well, just ask them that question and hear their response and then give them the gospel. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, Baker, why isn't... Man, I got this question today um, from someone. Why isn't it our place to know every detail of our future?
2: First of all, we're not meant to know everything. We're not omniscient. Um, If we did, it would probably either cause greater anxiety, knowing things that might be coming, um, or it would cause us to become less dependent upon God. Uh, We really simply can't handle the future knowing every detail, and ultimately, it's meant to stay in the hands of God. And that's where our faith comes into play.
1: Yeah, I, I thought about that question. Um you think it's possible to know the future through um, sorcery and... Mm-hmm dark dark things like the witch of indoor
2: kind of thing yeah because <laughs> kind of. I, I
1: think part of the sin of seeking out the future outside of god mm-hmm. is the it's not for you to know yeah it's for you to trust in god and to mm-hmm. bypass that is that and god will allow that to happen sometimes where maybe you can people can have a glimpse into the future and they shouldn't
2: Um, so is that basically the sin that Adam and Eve had like you're wanting to be like God yeah knowing the future and it's not meant for us to know
1: yeah 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 I that's I just uh, even rambling thoughts I had yeah Um, that's certainly at least a part of that sin it's not like it's not like God hates cool magic it's What that represents Uh and what you're trying to do with that um, is the. the Trying to be independent of God. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Quit reading. Basically, you know, quit reading your horoscopes. (laughs) Just eat your Chinese food. (laughs) No more fortune cookies. And don't. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Do you like fortune cookies? Not really. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I feel like people are lying if they say they like the taste of fortune.
0: I don't think they taste like anything. What right. About.
2: They're just sweet, mm-hmm. like just sugary cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think we, like, as Christians,
1: is it okay for you to read that stuff? Just to read it? Yeah, like as a fun thing. Or you'd be like, don't do that. That's, Yeah. I, I'm a little more lenient in the sense of like, look, because they put the alright, what what's your birth date? Are you an, a monkey or an ox? or, And then it gives you like a little bio of each. And I'm like, those are always fun to read, but I'm not I don't sit and dwell on it like right. that's some gospel truth and some future to my but I'm sure there's Christians that would say absolutely not. Don't don't. It's either. like karma. Yeah. Kind of thing. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe we'll save that and do a, um, a special uh, Halloween behind the message. We didn't do one last year, right? mm Derek and I did one a few years ago. So we took a bunch of Halloween questions like demons and ghosts and all that stuff. So, All right. Where are we at? Point five. point five. the last point for this past sunday because christ will give rest to our weary souls chris how do we take on the yoke of christ
0: um i feel like all my answers are repetitive <laughs> repent of our sins uh place our faith in christ jesus and follow him is that it? That's it. <laughs> that's my shortest answer. <laughs> I don't know before, that there's anything else you I'm can sorry. do. No. Before
1: we before we started,
0: Chris was like, "Look, is, look at that's this." That's not the one. Yes, it is. That's not the one I asked you about. Oh well, then I is don't it, know. Then oh we my might, goodness. Uh, oh, that was the next one.
1: Oh no, that's what <laughs> I read. That's what I read. No, that's that's the correct answer. Um, it's like, how do you know uh-oh. if you've taken? How do you know if you've taken on the yoke of Christ? It's like, well, are you a Christian or not? Um, and so you explain that well. All right. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Oh, no. All right.
1: Can we start this whole podcast? Because no. my anxiety just went up here. No, I think you're all right. <laughs> not after some of my comments. All right. Next all right. Question. To you.
0: Sorry. Uh, why is attempting to carry the load by ourselves an act of rebellion before God?
1: I think it, it often reveals a heart that wants to make everything right without depending upon God, um, mm-hmm. and maybe in a similar reality to being a Pharisee, um, in Matthew twenty-three, verse twenty-seven: "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and hypocrites!" you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly you do appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and our uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Um, so we're, we're rebelling against trusting in the Lord. The yoke is not just sin and death. Usually that's how that's taught. And I, I guess if I had a, a reboot of that message and I make more noise in that area. Um, because the yoke is not just sin and death. Uh, the yoke is also trying to make yourself righteousness on righteous on your own. Um, that's, yeah. that's that burden, um, which also leads to sin and death. But still, um, it's like, why does it feel so heavy? Um, it's because you're trying to make yourself right. And perfect on your own, and you can't. Um, so it's anti gospel. To try to do everything by yourself is anti gospel. That's why it's an act of rebellion. Um, all right, we could talk about this next one for a long time. Baker, why should we care that Christ <laughs> is Lord of the Sabbath?
2: Um, so, referencing Matthew chapter 12, uh, the Lord of the Sabbath was a claim of Christ's deity. Um, He gives the example of David uh, eating the bread from the temple and says here, this means that the Sabbath, his example of David is an example that Sabbath is meant for rest, not to add additional burden. And that Christ is the giver of rest. So So
1: should should Christians have a, a physical Sabbath day?
2: think it would be beneficial yeah yeah what do you think what
1: what do you think (laughs) he was on the sabbath
2: yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. i'm taking my sabbath right now
1: should yeah should christians have a sabbath day every week yeah Yeah, i i've i think i've the older i've uh, i've got gotten the more i've read my bible i think Christ came to fulfill the law, not remove the law. Right. So, in that sense, we should still be taking a Sabbath weekly. Um, but, I understand that there's people, there's people in our church that they have to work to pay bills. Uh, I'm not gonna, that's why I think Jesus, that's the whole point. Like, they're not, Breaking the law, doing that, right. Um, but that pattern of of having a day to unplug and to rest um, should be something we still do, and you know, just to push a little at our congregation of if you can't, you can't take one day a week to stop that reveals what's going on in your heart more than you realize so i get it and we all have busier seasons than some seasons but if you if you just can't take one day to stop yeah something's out of whack in your heart and um yeah you can't you can blame your situation and everyone else for it but it's on you so all right. Well, there's that. Take a Sabbath. Take a Sabbath. Where are we at? Summary point? Summary point. Don't be anxious. Take on the yoke of Christ. Chris, is this the question? This is the one. All right. What does it look like to labor for Christ after we've taken on the yoke of Christ?
0: Um, I said... That our work or labor should uh, become um, an act of love and obedience mm-hmm. um, we're we're free from our we're technically free from any burden once we've accepted Christ I mean he did all the heavy lifting um we should be living our lives for him we represent him um, we have to be available to shine his light on the world we have to be available to to work for him at any given time mmm
1: It's correct thank you yeah you're, that was the, your answer you were worried about well do you
0: the question was really well i, I wanted to
1: put like just because you're being yoked to christ doesn't mean like you just get to coast glory right it's where the and i think you mentioned love at the beginning and so if you love the lord this your life that work becomes an overflow of that love for christ it's an o- obedience is an overflow, not that you're trying to prove something. Right. Or earn something. It's an overflow. Um and it, it changes the mentality of why you would work at all. Um, so it's good. Yeah. That answers it. I got it. Yeah, it's good. You're wearing that Michael Jordan shirt? Yep. Given these goat answers. I won't tell you how old this shirt is. I'm looking at the colors, and it's obviously not Chicago Bulls. Was he on the Bobcats? I mean, I don't even audience? know if it was. I. I couldn't even. It's been a hot. Where night did he since go play? <laughs> what was the other team he played for? He played for the Wizards. Wizards. Is
0: yeah. that it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're derailing. We still have one more question. Okay. For you, Jason Payne. um, Why does it say the yoke of Christ is easy and the burden is light when life is still
1: so difficult? It's a confession. All right. So we need this is the good part of behind the message. I changed uh, that part of my message at 8.58 a.m. before the 9 a.m. service started, (laughs) which I almost never do. Usually I'm locked and loaded and if it's not perfect, it, I mean, well, it's never perfect, but if it's not what I want, it's just going to have to fly. But I thought this was such an important change. Um, we have to make it. So while certainly our yoke can mean the random struggles of this life, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's some ways that's how people teach this, um, it's more specifically referencing, as we've all been discussing, our sin and our. Um, attempt to remove it in our own work, our own righteousness. So we're like, that was far more accurate of the reality to the text and what I was trying to say on Sunday. Um, So let me answer the question. The yoke of Christ is what we now get to rest in, in the work of Christ. Um, We get to go to work knowing that the job will be done and the payout will be glorious. So, even though the life, the things of this life, might bring brutal struggles, if we're yoked to Christ, those brutal struggles are temporary. Um, so, we're, we're kind of misunderstanding like that passage if we think, well, I'm a Christian now. Why is my life still difficult? I'm like, just look at our look at our church right now look in this room right now like life is difficult and we still we're following Jesus and that doesn't make life easier um all the time so um yeah i'm going to talk more about that in the last week of this series but i wanted to address that so yeah i changed that little part added a few things At eight fifty-eight on Sunday, Sunday morning. So, all right. That is, I need thee every hour. Week two, week three is coming up Sunday. We're headed to the Gospel of Luke. It is the big passage of Mary and Martha (laughs) and Jesus. That interaction, and I've got some ideas on how I'm going to teach that. So, all right. uh, This is the end. We we. I like to do this every once in a while just as a refresher mm-hmm. what books are y'all reading um, just one it's interesting to know what we're reading and two maybe people uh, need some recommendations so Chris what are you reading I know one book you're reading
0: you should know two we're reading the Christian beliefs the 20 basics well, yeah. every Christian okay. should know about Wayne <laughs> right. Grudem it's the, I guess the men are doing on the Bibles and yep. bacon, and then we're doing it also as elders. Yep. Um, I'm also reading, let me go ahead and apologize to Mark, because I think I've had this book for like two years. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Mark. I will have it back to you very soon. Uh, Christ in Church Leadership, it's a handbook for elders and pastors by Paul Winslow and uh, Dorman Followill. Yep. Yeah. And then the one that you're referring to. When did
1: the, he give you that? Like
0: as uh, an elder meeting, like two years ago. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mark, Mark's like, why isn't it, why isn't Chris getting yeah. better? I'm like, what? <laughs> has he not read this book? Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't. I have very slowly, um, but yeah, the last one I'm reading right now uh, is the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The, prequel to the hunger games <laughs> yes it's you Collins. and every other teenager <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but yeah. it's good my right? teenage son is the one who recommended it yeah so he said it's, you it's been good yeah, yeah
2: mm-hmm. good. Good. baker how about you what are you reading you Got second corinthians for you which is a commentary faithful preaching by tony meridia and 101 So Bad They're Good Dad Jokes.
1: Oh, there you go. So. Is that your bathroom reader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just, I mean, you just sit on your couch and read dad jokes?
2: Yeah, I mean, I work with elementary kids all the time. You, <laughs> get, you throw out some dad jokes, you yeah. got them hooked. Yeah, so. that's really funny.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> all right, I'm reading
1: Why I Trust the Bible with uh, by William Mounts. It's been really good. Um, I've already recommended it to some people in our church if you want to know how we got the Bible um, and how we have certain translations that's the book you need to read Um, Why I Trust the Bible, William Mounts it is at times super heavy just as a heads up it's not a long book It's just can be very complex um, if you're completely unfamiliar with any of this um I'm re- I'm listening to an audiobook. I don't think it counts. I don't think audiobooks books count. Really? I would count an audiobook. I don't. I tell I get I argue with this with Corey all the time. Um I'll just say this. I don't think they count for me cuz I check in and out of oh, audiobooks. Yeah. I can't pay attention like I can when I actually read it. Um, but I'm listening to The Unsettling of America by Wendell Berry. He's a He's kind of a Kentucky poet, author, and that book's about just basically like how industrialized America has destroyed farming and our entire way of life. It's pretty depressing. And the guy, Ron Swanson's reading it. Oh,
2: Nick Offerman? Nick
1: Offerman is reading it. He's a huge Wendell Berry fan. And he's reading the book, so I'm not sure I'd listen to it if it wasn't Nick Offerman's uh, reading it. So there it is; it's a really good book. Um, and then I'm reading Confession: Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. I always read a super nerdy fantasy fiction book, and I don't. I told someone Sunday. Who is oh, I was telling uh, Josh and Haley on Sunday. I said, I, I don't think my parents fed the nerdy side of me as a kid growing up. They fed the sports side. And as I've gotten older, I realized, oh, I've been a nerd the whole time. And I'm just now discovering this stuff. Like, Judah's super nerdy, and but we keep feeding that nerdy side of them. Um So now I'm playing catch-up. And I read these thousand something page super nerdy fantasy book uh, books so it's been good um yep I highly recommend Brandon Sanderson books uh, he finished the Wheel of Time series if you didn't know that you don't know I you've don't heard know of Wheel time. of Time I've right? heard of it it's like a show on Amazon right ah uh, yeah, yeah. It's but it's like that's an, where I've it, heard it. Um, <laughs> where I've heard of it guys it's like an ep- the epic uh, epic fantasy novel series like ah oh, okay well whatever all right let's pray who's gonna pray <laughs> Chris?
0: i can go
1: for it <laughs> all
0: right uh dear heavenly father just thank you again this time that we can gather together and uh discuss your word uh, deeper hopefully uh, and uh gain some more insight and uh, help us to always focus on you lord and uh doing your will and um Just open ourselves up to to your guidance and your wisdom in our lives and uh, help us to, uh, as we continue this series, to uh, let go of the anxiety in our lives and and fully trust in you and your son, that you have our best interests uh, in mind, Uh, even when it doesn't look like it or feel like it, that we can always trust you and your word. Uh, Thank you for all that you're doing here at East River Park. Uh, We pray that uh, you and your son are lifted uh, high and given all the honor and glory That you so richly deserve, and it's in your Son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.